get into our sermon. And so if you've got a Bible with you, would you please turn with me to John chapter 10? If you are using one of our red Bibles, uh, which should be close to you on the chairs, John chapter 10 is on page 523, 523. We're continuing this sermon series all the way up until Easter, uh, and through Easter actually, um, on the claims of Jesus, and we've titled it Jesus Is. We're looking at the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus very clearly says, this is who I am. And last week, I made the comment that how you answer that question, how you finish that sentence, has the power to change your life. Who do you say that Jesus is? And we believe that that's true because it it boils down to this. Do you believe that what Jesus says about himself is true Or do you not believe what Jesus says about himself is true? If you believe that what Jesus says about himself is true, your life has changed. It it just has. Because, Because if you believe what Jesus says about himself is true, that means that you have the forgiveness of your sins. It means that you have life in him that will go on for eternity. It means that your identity is no longer a husband, wife, brother, friend, coworker, whatever. Your primary identity now is a follower of Jesus, and you have a new purpose in life. No longer to live for yourself, but to live for the sake of God's glory and for the good of your neighbor. How you say, what you say about Jesus has the power to change your life. Do you believe what he said about himself is true or not? If you don't believe that it's what he says is true, that's okay. I'm glad that you're here. We are always in process and learning and developing and growing. And so I'm glad that you're here to follow along with us, to learn what Jesus has to say about himself. And I think one of the biggest issues that that people have about some of the things that Jesus says, maybe you've struggled with this issue too, is that sometimes he says things that are hard and difficult and challenging to accept. I think the biggest, one of the biggest issues throughout the history of Christianity has been this, that Jesus taught that he is the only way to God. That he is the only way to know who God is, to be in a relationship with him, and to enjoy life forever with him. That's what we're actually looking at today when Jesus says, I am the gate. Or he says, I am the door of the sheep. This has been a crux for so many. Maybe you have struggled with this question too. Maybe you have friends that have struggled with this question. My hope after this sermon is that whether or not you agree with everything that Jesus says, my hope is that at least you would see why does Jesus make this claim and why you might want to believe it too. In our passage, John 10, we're going to show you three things. We're going to see three things. We're going to see, one, why there is a gate. Two, what's on the inside of that gate, and three, how you can get through the gate. So why is there a gate? What's on the inside of that gate? And how do you get through the gate? 
Let's read John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls to his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to seal and to kill and to destroy I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that through your spirit, that your word would give us encouragement and nourishment and trust that you are good and loving. We thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. So first, why is there a gate? Well, gates do essentially one thing. They do a lot of things, but essentially they do one thing. They keep things out. Gates keep things out. It might be people or animals. Gates keep certain people out, and they allow certain people in. Think of a, a gated community. A gated community is a neighborhood with a gate out front with a pad, a, a code, an access code. And residents in that gated community, they pay a certain premium because they, wanna, they want a sense of security. Because they know if they live inside the gated community, certain people are allowed in and certain people are kept out. And unless you have that access code, you can't go in. We all understand how gates work, right? That's exactly how Jesus is using this illustration. Look at verse 1 and 2. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Jesus is using this illustration about a gate, a doorway, a way in to say some people are allowed in and some people aren't. And he's using this illustration which was common uh, amongst the people that were listening to him. Because they knew out in the countryside, there, was, uh, there were shepherds with sheep. And during the day, the shepherds would take their sheep and take them from pasture to pasture, and they'd eat and graze. But then at night, the shepherd would lead them to a sheepfold. And the sheepfold was rectangular or circular. It was this enclosed space with stone walls up to about six feet high, with sharp edges on the top to keep prey and uh, enemies out. And uh, there was an opening in the front a few feet across that the sheep would come in, and that's where they would stay at night for their protection. 
So Jesus is saying there, there are gates for a reason. They keep things in and keep people out. They offer protection. We need gates. That's how Jesus is using this. Uh, and that's true if you, uh, sorry, <laughs> gates keep people out. So those on the inside are safe, and gates can be really good things. I mean, we, we've got a gate on our fence in the backyard. We're glad that we have it. Uh, and what Jesus is saying, though, if, if he's really saying what he's saying, is there's, there's one gate into the sheepfold of God. And unless you go in through that gate, you can't be part of it. And that's a hard saying. Gates can be good, but sometimes gates have the potential for doing some destructive and harmful things. I mean, if, if we take exclusive claims like that, there's the potential for those ending up with real harm. Here's what I mean. The argument goes like this. If you say, I know the way to God, well, that leads to pride. It leads to you thinking, I know something that other people don't, other people don't know. It leads me to say, I, I know more than other people know. What I know is true and other people, what they believe is false. That sense of superiority, if left unchecked, can lead to isolating yourself from other people who don't believe like you. You know, you start to think down upon them, say, well, the way that they think or the way they live their life, it's not as spiritual as the way you're supposed to. It's, it's not the right way to live. I know the right way to live, and they don't. It can cause isolation and separation. And then if, if that continues, well, then you can begin to marginalize people on the outside. You can begin to think, well, they're, they're not just not living up to the standard. They're living in a, in a bad way. We should, let's marginalize them. And that can lead to oppression of certain beliefs. That can lead to violence even, abuse. I'm sympathetic to this argument against gates. It can really do harm. It can lead to pride, superiority, separation, oppression, violence. It can do a lot of harm. Exclusive claims have the power to do tremendous harm. Unfortunately, we can't escape exclusive claims. Everyone has exclusive claims, especially about God. A any thought that you have about who God is or who the gods are or that there isn't a God, that is an exclusive claim. You believe that you're right and you believe that the way that other people think about God is wrong. Whether you're a Christian or a Muslim or an atheist, everyone has exclusive claims. Take, take for example, I mean, within religion itself, Christians believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who lived a perfect life and died in our place so that in him we might have the forgiveness of sins and live with him forever. Judaism and Islam disagree. They say Jesus wasn't God. He was a good teacher. 
He was a prophet sent by God to teach us clarity about God's will for us. And that if we follow the teachings of these prophets sent by God, then we will live in a good relationship with God and that on our merit, we will live with God forever. The Christian view of Jesus is exclusive to Christianity and the Islamic or the Jewish view of Jesus is exclusive to Judaism or Islam. They can't both be true. But have you ever seen the bumper sticker that says coexist? You see it all over the place. The, the word coexist, it's, it's got all these symbols representing the various religions of the world. And the whole message of the coexist bumper sticker is, it, it's either, it, it's one of two things. It's either saying, hey, each of these religions have it partially right, let's coexist together. Or they say, hey, at, at the heart of each of these religions, we're just all trying to be good people and live peacefully in this world. Let's all just get along. But we can't. The religions themselves say that we can't. There's exclusive claims in each of them. And even the message of, hey, this is the way to view religions, that's an exclusive claim. Even atheists have an exclusive claim about what they think is true about God and humanity. We can't escape exclusive claims. We all set up gates. We all have this understanding of who's allowed in and who's kept out. We all do that. We can't get rid of it. So I think now, the only thing that we can do is let's keep an open mind when we come to a verse like this. Let's keep an open mind and hear what Jesus is inviting us to see. We all have gates. Let's see what Jesus says about this gate. And in order for you to know about what's going on in this gate, we have to know what's on the inside. So that's point two, what's on the inside of this gate? Well, to put it simply, John 10, 10 says that in this gate, there is life to the abundance. Jesus says he has come to bring life and life to the abundance. I spoke last week about how we have that life because Jesus is the bread of life. But this is, this is what Jesus is saying. If you are inside of this gate, you have life to the abundance. And what that looks like in, in verse 3, he spells it out. He says in verse 3 that the sheep inside the sheepfold, they hear the voice of their shepherd, they listen to him, they follow him, and the shepherd leads them to good pastures. There's life, there's protection, there's nourishment. And then get this. It says the shepherd knows the sheep by name. In other words, Jesus is saying that what is available to you inside the sheepfold, what is available to you inside the gates that we call Christianity is an intimate relationship with God where we hear the voice of God, we listen to him. He speaks to us. And he knows us by name. Each and every one of us. 
He knows who you are, and he loves you. That's what's available inside of the sheepfold. Life, protection, nourishment, a relationship with God. This, in in so many ways, this story reminds me of the first story in the Bible. The story of the Garden of Eden. If you aren't familiar with that story, the Garden of Eden, it's where after creation, after God created the heavens and the earth and everything in them, he took man and woman, our first parents, Adam and Eve, he took them and placed them in a garden. He called it Eden. And in that garden, there was life. There was joy. Look, they had plenty of food and nourishment to always be filled. They had work that was fulfilling They would never toil, but they would be fulfilled in their work. They had relationships with one another that were secure, where they knew each other intimately and there was no shame and guilt. But the best of all, in the Garden of Eden, the Lord God walked with them. It says that he walked with them in the cool of the day. Have you ever wanted to go out to North Chagrin and go on a walk with the Lord, how joyful would that be? They, he walked with them. He knew them by name. He would call to them. He would speak with them. There was a relationship with God. It was beautiful. And Adam and Eve listened to his voice. He said, all of this is yours. Do what I command you. Listen to my voice and obey, and you will have life to the abundance but you have to live in this garden and obey my voice. You you have to follow what I ask you to do because if you don't, if you do not obey, and if you eat of this one tree, you will surely die. The opposite of abundant life. Jesus is saying there is a sheepfold and that sheepfold has a gate And that gate, yes, it keeps people out, but it also protects what is on the inside. The the boundaries of the sheepfold, the rules that God has established for his people, they are for our flourishing. They are for our good. Boundaries and, and rules, they don't squander joy. They enable joy. Or, or to put it another way, boundaries do not inhibit joy. They protect joy. Following God's voice, listening to him, and obeying him leads to our joy. That's why there's a gate. To keep people out, to protect what's on the inside. So that those who are on the inside listen to his voice follow where he leads, and they find life and joy in their shepherd. There is danger on the outside of the gate. There's thieves and robbers. They only come to kill and to destroy. Outside of the gate, there is no life. God's voice is hard to hear. There's no relationship there. 
but what's on the inside is glorious. Gates have the potential to do great harm, but this gate that Jesus is talking about says, no, come on in. There's great joy and life on the inside. So the last question is this, how do we get in? How do we get in to the gate? How do we get inside and experience for ourselves the joy and the life that comes with being a sheep in the sheepfold of God? When Jesus shared this story, I mentioned that the crowds knew what he was talking about. They were familiar with what a sheepfold looked like. But one thing I didn't mention before is that the gate at the front of the sheepfold it's, it's not like what you and I picture in our heads when we think gate. It wasn't a piece of wood that had a lock. It was actually just an opening, a few feet wide for the sheep to go in and out. And how the gate offered protection was one of the sheep, one of the shepherds, uh, volunteered to stand watch, to stand guard in the way, and he was the one that kept people out. You know, we see this actually in the first couple of verses. In verse 3, it says, To him, that is the good shepherd, to him the gatekeeper opens. There's a gatekeeper standing in the way to the sheepfold. So to get into the sheepfold, you have to go through the gatekeeper. The gatekeeper has to let you in. Now, this also has a parallel to the Garden of Eden. You know, I, I said if, if, if Adam and Eve just listened to the Lord and obeyed, they would have had life to the abundance. But we know that that's not how the story played out. We know that Adam and Eve fell into sin. They disobeyed God. They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God kicked them out. God set them outside of the garden. He kicked them out of the joy and the life of the garden because of their sin. He said, you now, sin has come into your life. It is part of your nature, and you can no longer come into the garden. And he set at the gate of the garden a gatekeeper. An angel, a glorious angel called a cherubim, stood in front of the garden with a flaming sword to protect the garden to keep people out. And many years later, when the people of God gathered together in the promised land, they came to Jerusalem and said, let us build a temple to the Lord so that we can worship him. And when they built the temple where God's presence was going to dwell, where God would be there and the people could interact with God, here's what the temple looked like. It was or ornately designed with carvings and paintings, with palm branches and fruit and streams and plants. It was to show the people of God that here in the temple should remind you of the Garden of Eden. That is here in the temple that God would dwell. Here in the temple was what we were designed to live in, this glorious place of life and joy. But in front of the temple, between the people of God and the presence of God, there was a curtain. And on that curtain, they wove in a picture of a cherubim. 
the angel that stood as the gatekeeper, preventing anyone from coming into the presence of God because of our sin. See, all other gates we've been talking so far is, is to protect people from coming in that would do harm. But this gatekeeper, he actually protects us from coming into the presence of God. This curtain prevented the people from experiencing the pure holiness of God and being utterly destroyed because of our own sin. We actually know that there was one person who was allowed one time a year to go behind the curtain. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go behind the curtain and offer sacrifice for all of the people. And, and tradition tells us, actually, that they would tie a rope around the high priest so that in case while he was in the presence of God, the holiness of God saw his sinfulness and crushed him, that they could pull the body out. No one was allowed to go behind the curtain. Because we are sinful. And we can't come into the presence of God. We were kicked out of the garden. We're not allowed into the temple. Nevertheless, our desire for this life remains. Like on the outside of the sheepfold, here's what it feels like. Have you ever, have you ever felt like God isn't talking much to you? Have you ever feel like life isn't fulfilling? Have you ever felt far from God? Like you've cried out for him and just you hear silence. Have you ever felt that, we talked about this last week, this, that, that God-shaped hole that's not being fulfilled? That's what it feels like to have life outside of the sheepfold. You're worried and anxious. You don't have the protection and security in there. You're exhausted from trying to work for something that will fulfill you. But inside, there's life. There's nourishment. There's abundant joy. How do we get inside? Well, it's so simple. Go in through the door. Not, not the curtain. The curtain, you weren't allowed to go past the curtain. Jesus says he's the door. Go in through the door. Here's how that's possible. When Jesus Christ was up on the cross, he was dying in your place. He, he died as a sacrifice in your place to purify you of your sin to wash you clean of guilt and shame, to make you now clean and, and worthy to come into the presence of God. And just to show how, how amazing this was, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell us what happened the moment that Jesus died on the cross. Matthew 27, verses 50 and 51 say this. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, yielding up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. 
When Jesus died, he made a way for us to come into the presence of God, to come in through the door and find life and joy. Jesus is not a gate who keeps people out. Jesus is the door that swings wide open so that we can all now come in through him. This is unlike any other gate that we've been talking about. This curtain was torn in two. Jesus died so that we can now come into the presence of God. Another writer in the Bible, the book of Hebrews, says this, Therefore, brothers, we have confidence now to enter into the holy place where God is by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us to, through the curtain, that is, through his own flesh. And since now we have this great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with the assurance of faith and our hearts sprinkled clean. The way that we come in through the gate and find life to the abundance is with faith in Jesus. He is the door. Jesus said, whoever enters through me, he will be saved. Jesus is inviting us all to come into him, to find life in the sheepfold of God, to hear his voice and to obey him, to be known by him intimately, and in him find life. Jesus is the only way to God. That's what he's saying. He's the only way to have our sins forgiven. He's the only way to come into the presence of God and, and have eternal life. He's the only way, because apart from him, we are still dead in our sins. Apart from him, we cannot clean ourselves up. But he is the door, and we can go through him, through him by faith, and enjoy the life that God is offering us. I said before that exclusive claims have the potential to do great harm, and they do. But this gate, this gate, it can do so good, so much good. Because at the heart of this exclusive claim, that the only way to God is through Jesus, at the heart of this claim is a man who died for his enemies, praying for their forgiveness until the very end. Any serious reflection on that, it, it could never, it should never lead to pride and violence. It can only lead to humility and selfless love. The exclusive claim of the gospel is an invitation to humble ourselves, rely on the grace of God, come into the fold, enjoy the life of God, and to love and serve our neighbors. Our job as Christians now is to enjoy that, to enjoy that life that God has given us, to follow his voice, and to invite others in. The gate is open through the blood of Jesus all are welcome. Would you come and enjoy the life inside the gate with us?